Welcome to the snooze button. Hey, I'm Brittany of Brittany She and Sleep. I've got 99 problems, but my kid's sleeping isn't one. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the snooze button. I am your host, Brittany Sheehan of Brittany Sheehan Sleep. Um, I think I should start opening with that. It sounds like fancy and cooler. Um, I feel like it's what, you know, all the legit podcast uh, hosts, they, they say that they're the host at the beginning. You don't just assume, right? So I need to start doing that. I also wanted to thank you guys because um, as of this week, I don't remember what day it was exactly. The whole chart thing is very confusing to me. But at some point recently, we peaked here at the snooze button at number 94 on the Apple Podcasts for the parenting category. And you know what? That's no small feat. There's a buttload of parenting podcasts out there. I'm competing against all sorts of things, you guys. Podcasts that are just for dads, podcasts that are about kids with ADD, um, you know, gentle birthing, um, you know, conservative Christian mom. I mean, there's a million genres, subgenres. Um, so I was really, really excited to crack the the top 100, you know? So I got to start getting serious here, calling myself a host stop recording episodes in a moist basement in Cape Cod. You know, I so many things, so many things I need to do. Um, so today's episode, I just dropped my phone on my on my foot. This is what I mean about, you know, unprofessional. I, you know, I'm. this is not, we're not in Burbank, guys. I'm not at like a studio, you know, I'm not like Tinks or something with her like serious, um, serious XM. Is that what it's called? recording setup. Anyway, so yesterday I was chatting with a client and she was like, you know what, you can you please do a podcast episode on how you manage three kids and like tips for managing multiple kids. Um, and she was just asking me kind of some questions about it. And I thought, you know, that's actually a very good episode. Per usual, I had no plan for today. So I thought, let's do that. Um, went out onto Instagram, asked you guys what questions you had about either for me specifically or just in general, what do I tell clients? about managing life, schedules, things with multiple kids. And what was interesting is about half the questions were specifically about like logistical things. You know, at this time of day or when these things arise, what should I do? But the other half were specifically about how I divide the workload, the child care, different dynamics with my husband managing three kids. So what I thought I'm going to I'm going to do, I thought I would do and I will do, is I'm going to break this episode into two parts. So today I'm going to specifically talk about more logistics, morning stuff, bedtime stuff, when there's activities. Um, And then next week, I'm going to specifically tackle managing the workload with a partner and what that looks like for our family, what I suggest for other families, common traps, things we're working on, all of that. I'm also going to see if maybe Alex will actually, my husband, will join me for that episode and he can talk a little bit about stuff too he's a loose cannon we'll see what happens um it could get real fun real real crazy real fast so for today's part one a lot of the questions that were posed were pretty similar so i isolated a couple that i'm going to answer and i've broken them into a couple little categories so the first category is called overall Yes, you guys are welcome. Thank you for listening. If you haven't abandoned me three minutes into this. Um, Overall, there were a lot of questions specifically about kids, activities, 
and a baby who needs to sleep. So I'm going to highlight a couple. Brooke asked how to balance the need for flexibility on the go naps and establishing good sleep habits. Jackie asked nap times for baby and activities for big kids. And Rachel asked sleep priority for the second kid being dragged along to first kids activities, learning how to nap on the go. Right. So these were all obviously very similar questions. So here is what I will say. And I don't mean to beat you all over the head with this concept, but the earlier and better your baby learns to sleep independently, the more adaptable they will be. And an adaptable baby can do things on the go. So what I do not mean by that is every baby is excellent at napping on the go because some babies are more sensitive to it. Some babies are not amazing on-the-go nappers, right? They might be great in their crib, um, but they, they do struggle when they're in the stroller, when they're in the carrier, whatever. So it's not a magic wand. But the two most important things to remember are if your baby has a good sleep foundation, they're not running on a sleep deficit. And if you're not running on a sleep deficit, then if you have a terrible nap, it's not going to ruin everything. If you have a baby who is not sleeping well in general, right? They're waking up multiple times a night. And we're talking outside of like the itty bitty newborn phase when of course they need to eat overnight. But if you have, for instance, a three, four, five month old who is not sleeping well through the night, who takes short you know, inconsistent naps, then if they're, you know, because of that, they're tired all the time, right? They're probably pretty tired. So then if you're, you know, you have this one nap of the day that's usually pretty good, you can get them to sleep for maybe an hour. And that's when Bobby has T-ball. Um, you know, that that's really hard, right? That sucks. And now they, they've lost kind of that little bit of sleep that they would have had. So even if you have a baby who does not nap well on the go, if they have a good sleep foundation, their little sleep tank is not already you know, sputtering on empty, it's not going to be a big deal if they skip a nap, you know, every other Saturday because of Bobby's T-ball. That's the first thing to consider. So an example of that would be, you know, let's use the T-ball as the example because that's that's very paramount in my life because my son, who is five, does play T-ball. And there have been times where I've had to bring a baby to nap while he was playing T-ball. Um, if that's something you're doing once a week, your baby's probably going to adapt to it pretty well. The other thing about having a baby with a good sleep foundation is they get tired at the right times, right? So again, if you have a baby who's napping really erratically, then you know you might have them at the game and you're like so confused why they're crying. You thought they needed to eat. You try to nurse them. They won't take the boob. Maybe you brought a little pouch. They won't eat it. Now you're like marching around trying to soothe them and, try, and you're missing, you know, your kid hit a home run because you have no idea what's going on, a baby with a good sleep foundation, you're going to understand like, okay, she eats or he eats at this time. They have had that full feed. They should be awake until, you know, 930. And at 930, they usually take a nap. So around 930, that would be maybe when you take them back from the friend who's been holding them, you put them in the carrier, you start walking around and shushing and trying to get them to fall asleep in the carrier, you put them in the stroller. Do you know what I mean? They're ready at the right time to sleep. And you know when that's supposed to happen. You know when they're going to be eating, when they're going to be sleeping. So you can kind of plan what you're doing. It just makes things a lot easier. The next thing to remember whether your baby is ultimately going to be one who's great at napping on the go or struggles a little bit with it, with everything, with kids, with parenting, all of it, you got to get in the reps, right? So if your baby has always slept their entire lives in their crib or bassinet, they've never slept anywhere else, then yeah, if you put them in the carrier in the middle of a t-ball game, 
they're probably not going to sleep very well because that's never happened before. Obviously, this is a delicate balance. And I know that, you know, it can be frustrating. I'm just being honest with you guys. It can be frustrating to hear like, do it sometimes, but don't do it all the time. But that's really true. Your baby is going to sleep best when they're in a bed, the same way you would sleep best in a bed, right? So by bed here, I mean crib. Um, So of course, that's what you're doing the majority of the time. But if you're doing something about once a week or so, not the end of the world. And, you know, you probably, if you're a parent with multiple kids, you probably want to get a little bit of that flexibility so that they can sleep on the go. So that is totally fine and good. And the last thing to consider with kids' activities and babies napping is I do think it's also important to think before you sign up for stuff, be thoughtful and think through what is important to you as a family for your older child to do and what is just going to cause too much stress. You're, and I think especially if, and because I've been in this position, especially if it's your first born child and they're finally old enough to like do activities and you're like, I want to sign them up for AYSO and I want to do t-ball and I want to do ice skating and I want to do swim lessons. And, you know, you it's like exciting. And, you know, if you're in a position to be able to afford multiple activities, it might be easier like, oh, their so-and-so's friend is going to do all these things. But I want you to like take a step back and look at your life, literally, and like your calendar and think through T-ball sounds fun, but like, what does this commitment actually look like? And what is this going to mean for the rest of us? And then think about how much it means for your child. Because I'm going to be totally honest with you. Your two-year-old doesn't give an F if they're an AYSO or not. I'm sorry, they don't. They're two. If they're two, they don't care. If they're five, they might really care. They might love soccer. That's totally possible. But I would take a step back and think through if something has a practice twice a week and there's a game on Saturday and your partner works long hours, and that means you're going to have to take the baby at 6 p.m. to soccer practice on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and you guys are going to have to figure out how you get to the practice on or uh, the games on Saturday, and sometimes they're in a town that's 20 minutes away. Think about the actual like hour commitment that is for you on top of the other things you have going on. You know, I think it's easy as parents to overcommit to stuff. So before you sign up for activities and classes and things, I would try to think through what that's going to look like and then decide if it's worth it or not. Because a part of this is just a balance. And when you have another kid in the mix, you do want to be conscious of that and considerate of the fact that you don't want them to spend five days a week being schlepped around if you can avoid it, right? Um, So in our family, I try to have basically a one sport at a time, like moratorium. I don't know if that's the right word. But for instance, right now, Teddy's doing t-ball. When that's up, he's going to resume tennis. Um, But I'm not like... There were some other kids that he knows doing like AYSO. And I was like, I can't. I, I we, He can't do two sports at once. He's five. If he decides he wants to be a tennis champ, whatever, like that's his thing. Fine. He can do that. And maybe then he gets to do something else. But for now, my five-year-old is not turning pro in any sport or any activity. And I don't need to put my the rest of my family through that, you know? So that's something to consider. And along with balancing you know, how many activities you're doing at once. When you're in a situation too, if you are lucky enough to have a partner or a relative or a friend who can help you divide and conquer, I think that is great as well. For instance, with my son Teddy's t-ball, there were certain games that I went to and I brought the two other kids. This meant Delaney, my baby, didn't take as great of a nap, obviously, as she would have in her crib. 
and Baker was kind of just like, you know, on the sidelines, like kicking dirt around. Sometimes that's fine. Character building, totally great. But I also told myself that my five-year-old does not need me at every single game. His dad is the coach of the team. So his dad is at every practice. His dad is at every game with him. So certain weeks, if, you know, Baker, my three-year-old, seemed like he was running, had a ruddy nose, and was running a little bit of a cold, and I had a lot of work I needed to get done around the house that morning, then that would be the morning that I would stay home, put Delaney down for her nap at home, put, you know, Baker in front of Paw Patrol so that I could bang out all of the laundry that had been piling up for the week before, you know, things like that. So don't feel like if you have the opportunity to divide the workload and the attending activities and things like that with another person, whether it's grandma can come, dad, whatever, then do that. Like you, your children, this is one of my favorite phrases in general when it comes to sleep, parenting, your kids need you consistently. They do not need you constantly. Please remember that your kids need you consistently they do not need you constantly. You're not doing anyone a service by insisting that you attend every single one of your child's AYSO games and practices to the detriment of another child who now like four days a week doesn't get their nap in. Do you know what I'm saying? It's okay to divide and conquer. It's okay to prioritize one kid more on one day and one kid more on another. They will be fine. And I think another like saying I have that I always tell people is, If you're worried about it, you're doing a good job. Do you know what I mean? If it's something that you're worrying about, your kid is fine. You're worrying because you're a good parent, and that's okay. I certainly do, Joanna. I did it on Saturday night. So another great thing about having an adaptable sleeper, it is not a big deal if they're in a pack and play in someone's house. So on Saturday, we were at friends' houses, a friend's house, not multiple. It was not a progressive dinner. Um, And I knew that we would want to be there you know, we arrived at like five. I was like, we're not going to want to leave at like 645 so I can put Delaney to bed, obviously. So I brought a pack and play. I brought her PJs. I brought a diaper and wipes. She ate food with all of us and at about 650, 645, whatever it was, I took her upstairs, found a room that was unoccupied and I put her in it and the pack and play in her sleep sack. And I was like, love you. Bye. There was no fan. There were no blackout curtains. The door was open to a balcony where people were outside yelling and screaming and she fell asleep fine when we left around 9 30 I transferred her you know I picked her up put her in her car seat transferred her to bed it was not a big deal at the same time obviously I shouldn't say obviously but my three and five year old do not go to bed at 9 30 on most nights but again going back to the whole sleep tank thing if your kids aren't running on a major sleep deficit one late night doesn't matter so they had both Teddy had a good quiet time. Baker had a good nap that day. So they were completely fine until 930. I made sure they had lots of water while they were at our friend's house so they weren't dehydrated. We got home into jammies right away, did a very, very short modified bedtime routine, and they woke up at their normal time in the morning, normal nap the next day, all that good stuff. So all of these things kind of tie together, right? So let's move on to morning. So lots of questions about morning routine stuff. Okay, let me see if I can find a good one. Carrie asks, morning routine to get the kids out the door without it being full-blown chaos. Yes, great question. So what I and a few other people asked similar questions just about morning routine, so I won't read all of them. Um, So I'm going to give you morning routine for a school day because I think that's typically the most chaotic, right? Because you have deadlines or timelines, I should say, when you need to leave. So 
what I do, first of all, is I have lunch, snack, water, all of the stuff that's needed for school packed the night before. So I'm never making lunches in the morning. I think that's really important. It's just one more like piece of chaos that I don't have to deal with. So lunches are made, lunch boxes are in the fridge, and then I lay out the two backpacks for my two kids when it was just Teddy, it was just his backpack, so that when we get up in the morning, I can just grab those out of the fridge, slide them into the bag, and they're sitting there on the ledge waiting to go. The next thing I do, and this is true every morning, but it's especially important on school days, is I try to get the kids up one at a time and get them like fully ready, and then we all have breakfast together. So Delaney first, and she was up until very recently nursing, which was why. So she is up, nurses. At this point, she doesn't nurse anymore. We get her dressed, and when I'm doing her... I also get me dressed and ready. I'm one of those people, this is a personal thing, but like I have to wash my face and brush my teeth right when I wake up. I can't have like, you know, I can't like walk around the house in like a bathrobe and messy hair and like trying to get everyone together. Like it helps center me for them if like I'm ready before I even get to them. So I get ready and this is not like a big song and dance. It's just like I brush my teeth and I get dressed and stuff. Then I go downstairs and then I will get one boy at a time get them dressed, comb their hair. Teddy, we've been working a lot with his independence on getting dressed. So for the most part, he's five. He can get dressed himself. Um, And then I get Baker dressed. And then the next thing I do that helps is breakfast. And this has taken like, you know, it takes some reinforcing. But breakfast is what I say it is. And there is no like negotiations around it. Because I think the tug and pull of like, I want waffles. No, I want eggs. No, I want yogurt. No, I want granola. Whatever can be so stressful as a parent. So I, and this is a split second decision. It's not like I plan ahead of time what I'm going to make, but I look at the clock depending on like what time we all got up and how quickly things have been moving. And I will decide what I'm going to make them for breakfast based on that, right? So like I'm not making them bacon and eggs and toast on a day where we have 20 minutes before we have to be out the door. So one breakfast, they can always have as much as they want of it, more, but it's one thing and they all eat it together. I usually do not eat at that time, which I know is bad. You should always eat breakfast, so don't take this advice, but I will just have some iced coffee and water and get them all ready. So at this point, everyone's dressed and they're sitting and eating. Um, And we do have a rule in our house for the most part, you know, unless it's some weird occasion, like you have to be sitting down when you're eating. So they do know that and I enforce it. So they have to like sit in their seats while they're eating. Um, and sometimes I will walk around and put on shoes while they're eating. Like I will go under the table and put on everyone's shoes so that when they are done eating, we can just go, pick up and go. I will also say that I am coming from a place of, I hate saying coming from a place of privilege. I feel like it's so like obnoxious and just, uh, but we do have a nanny because I work full time. So our nanny arrives right when I'm leaving to take the kids to school. And my husband and I do alternate. That's for another podcast episode, but we alternate responsibility in terms of the drop-off. So when it's my day to drop off, which is more often than not, I, you know, the nanny arrives and then she is with the baby while I take the two kids to school. Okay. So now let's talk about the next most common kind of group of questions I got about managing three kids logistically, which was about the evening. So Dana asks, one month old and two and a half year old, how to do bedtime timing when you're by yourself? So 
I know I'm just like basically saying the same things over and over again, but again, all of the things that I teach you guys, that I teach in my courses, that I tell clients, that I talk about on Instagram are going to make all of these things so much easier. So if you are not having to rock anyone to sleep, this is not going to be a very big deal. So with a one month old, I mean, in some ways, I actually think this is like a good time for it not to be a big deal because they're so tiny. You can put them anywhere. You can just like literally put them on the floor and be like, you're sitting here for a second while I do this bedtime, you know? So that's the good thing. But as they get a little bit older, then you have somebody who's crawling around, things like that, et cetera. I actually think in this case, the best thing you can do besides not needing to rock anybody to sleep and a baby being able to be put down somewhere is to find ways for the older children when you're by yourself to occupy themselves in a way that you are not concerned about danger. That is the first option. The second option is involving them in the process. So if you have a kid who's either old enough, mature enough, or just they're not really like a mischievous type, then you should be able to say, Joey, I'm going to go put the baby to sleep. I need you to play quietly or like maybe you don't even need to tell them they can just do it right also there ain't no shame in that ipad game or just tv whatever if that's like what is going to keep a two-year-old quiet and happy for a couple of minutes for a baby the bedtime routine does not need to be a big deal go back and look at my episode it was one of the first ones i did called the bedtime routine demystified that will give you some pointers on bedtime routines but we're keeping it short and sweet right? We're talking about like an older baby here. So you shouldn't be gone very long. Um, And then you can come back down and put the older child to bed. If you have a newborn, most newborns bedtime is much later than kids. So again, you hopefully can just like put them down somewhere. I mean, I remember, you know, a million times having Delaney in like the Bjorn bouncer while I was doing the kids bath or or getting them ready for bed. Um, And she was just chilling, right? So Leave the baby for a second, I mean, within your line of sight. Get the kids ready for bed. And again, you want to have a streamlined bedtime routine so that it's not some big, dramatic, stressful thing. If you have an older child, let's go back quickly to you have a baby who's going to bed before the big kid. And they are either not old enough or mature enough or whatever for you to feel comfortable leaving them like in another room, then I would actually involve them in the bedtime routine. And again, hopefully we're not like having to rock anyone to sleep. It's not like some big drama, but it could be that they come in with you and say, okay, let's pick out jammies for the baby. Okay, mommy's going to give her a bottle. Can you sit with me? And while I'm giving her this bottle, can you go pick out the jammies? Can you go grab me a diaper? And can you go check if her swaddle is in her crib? Do you see it? What color is the swaddle? And engage them and kind of keep them involved so that you have an eye on them. They're safe, um, but they're feeling included in the process. That's a great thing to do if you have a child who, you know, you don't want to really leave alone. Um, Another thing I would do is like, don't do a bath if you don't need to. Like, unless they're like dripping with dirt, like take the onus off of yourself that like you need to be bathing everyone when you're by yourself if that adds a layer of stress. I think for some families, the bath is is either very ritualistic for them, like they really enjoy it every night, or it's a way for them to kind of contain a toddler who is happy in the bath and like they want to do the bath. That is fine if that's the case. But if it's something where like it's stressful for you, it means you have to like leave the baby and then the toddler's in there and they're screaming and it's a whole thing, then like do the bath in the middle of the day. Or guys, like you don't have to give them a bath every day, you know? So I would do things to make your life easier. Okay. 
Now I'm going to answer my last question because I don't want this episode to be so crazy long that everyone just wants to off themselves. Okay, so I thought this was a really good one, which is why I saved it for last. Ellen asked, trying not to lose it with the overstimulation, especially at the end of the day. I see you. I hear you, Ellen. Um, I struggle with this as well. I personally, and I swear this is like a real like thing. I looked it up once and felt very validated to know that this wasn't just me being crazy. I'm one of those people that like if somebody is on their cell phone behind me on an airplane, like while we're taking off, I I like am very offended by it. And like the sound really bothers me. Like I really don't like like rude, loud, annoying sounds. And if you're thinking, why on earth would you have three children if you don't like loud sounds? That's a great question, Karen, um, because I love my children. But at the end of the day, when I've had a full work day and then plenty of parenting time, um, I really get overstimulated. Me, not as much by touch. I don't have that issue. I'm happy to be touched at all times by my children. But the sound when they're screaming and screeching and yelling and like running at 7 p.m., I really don't enjoy it. Um, the best thing that I have found to do when I'm with my husband and he is around I sometimes will take a step like outside or upstairs or I will like go somewhere else. I will clean the kitchen. Like I will do productive, I'll put away laundry that I recently folded. Like I will do productive things, but I will distance myself from like the chaotic part, if that makes sense, of the evening and do other things to support my family that don't involve me needing to like wrestle well, A, I don't want to wrestle <laughs> and I also don't want to be the referee, right? Because sometimes if you're like, I know that what the kids are doing is like safe and it's not dangerous and it's fine, but like I, it, it stresses me out watching them like run and slam into things. I don't love it. So I will go somewhere else and do other things for our family and like leave my husband to deal with that. So I'm not like the annoying mom who's like, everyone stop running. Everyone sit down, which isn't fair to anybody. Um So that is something that I will do. And then when it's time for bedtime, what I much more enjoy is like the calmer moments one-on-one with my kids. And that helps me feel less stimulated and it allows me to fill their cup and have special time with them. So I stagger their bedtimes. And again, either if there's a way where an older child can be alone and you're comfortable with that, or if you have a partner who can stay with them, I will, and this is all when Delaney has already gone to bed. I will do Baker's bedtime first and I will just be with him and I give off a calm energy. We do his books, we hang out and that's like a great way to end the day feeling special with him and also diffuses if I did have any moments where I lashed out and was angry and like snapped at people because it happens. I mean, I'm human and that's something I need to work on. Like I definitely will be reactive as a parent sometimes when I shouldn't be. So if there's a case where I have been reactive, I can be like, I'm sorry, mama was a little sharp with you when you guys were running around. I know you were having fun. I was a little worried you were going to knock over the ginger jar, but you didn't and it was fine. Let's read our books. And it helps me kind of close the day for them on a really good note. The same thing with my oldest, Teddy. So he's the last one to go to bed. So we will read books. We will talk about our day. I'll ask him what he did that day that made him proud. I will ask him what he did that day that made him thankful. What was the funniest thing that happened that day? And again, we're having this like calm, relaxing, closing time. And I think this goes without saying, but my kids have a pretty strict bedtime. And like once the doors are shut, they're shut. They don't come out. There's no like anything else. If you were a parent who struggles with overstimulation 
and like needs a break and needs adult time and needs time to decompress before you go to bed, then getting your kids to a place where bedtime is not a battle is so important. I mean, I honestly don't know what I would do if I if my kids were up until like 10 or 11 every night. You know, I, I talk to families where that's the norm and that's why I have this job because I think it's so important that everyone gets the space and the rest and like the time that they need. So if that's not your reality, you obviously know where to find me. So I know this was kind of like very high level stuff, um, not so much in the weeds about kids schedules and all of that, but I hope it was helpful. And next week, I'm going to answer all of the questions that you guys sent in specifically about how my husband and I divide and conquer childcare, the workload, managing as two working parents with three little kids and what that looks like. Um, And like I said, if I can convince him to get on the podcast, I might do that too. Um, Okay. Talk to you guys next week. Love you. Loving the snooze button? Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And please leave a review. I will read it and internalize it. So make sure it's very glowing. If you're interested in working with me or learning more about my courses, head to brittanysheehan.com or follow me on Instagram at Sleep.